Good evening, everybody. You know, I, I wonder why you're here. In some cases, you just say, well, that's what I do. It's Good Friday. Let me give you a reason. How about we all are here because we need to connect with the reality of the death of Jesus Christ. The cross needs to intersect our lives. You know, it's so easy to grow cold towards the cross. We've heard so much about it, and yeah, we know the right answers to all the Jesus-related questions. But right answers aside, is your heart gripped with the reality of what the cross means for you today? For many of us, it's so long ago and so far away, and how our reality and our lives can be transformed by the the death of Christ sometimes is lost. So I'm pressing in. I, I'll admit it. I need to connect with the cross again tonight. And I'm hoping you feel the same way. So with every song we sing, it's not about the music. It's not about the song. The song's an, an instrument that we can use to press in to that reality. The teaching of God's word, it's a chance to press in in pursuit of connection of our lives to the death of Christ 2,000 years ago on Good Friday at Mount Calvary. Hey, allow me to make a very abrupt shift in a much more uh, lighthearted way. Dining in downtown Naperville is a wonderful experience. Shopping downtown Naperville, I love downtown Naperville. The one downside is the parking. The parking can be an immense challenge. I've developed a habit of if I have an appointment for someone, to meet someone for lunch downtown, I better leave 10 minutes early because I'm going to be driving around the streets or sometimes through the parking garage looking for a place to park. Well, such was my situation a few weeks back when I found what I'm going to call a creative parking place. Do you know what a creative parking place is? Let's say it, it, it had debatable legality, all right? Was it really a legal place to park or not? Uh, I would make a case that it was good. I parked there. And I said, yeah, that'll work. And I, I parked there. But what I think is right and legal doesn't matter. It's what the Naperville police think. And they gave me this little baby, a parking ticket, nicely tucked under my windshield wiper. And I started to read it, and I'm like, wow, wow, they're serious. They said, you have 15 days to pay this fine. And then it had this, not responding to this citation will result in the matter being turned over to a collection agency, which will adversely affect your credit. And I'm like, holy cow. 15 days. For 15 days, this little baby sat on my desk. I looked at it often, and it reminded me that I was a transgressor. It reminded me that I had a debt to pay, society, if you will. But I kept on having a reason not to do it. I'd be like, oh, my checkbook isn't readily accessible. I don't have a stamp readily accessible. And so every day, until the 15th day, and then I'm like, oh, doggone it. Now I can't send it via snail mail. And so I read it, and I thankfully discovered that I could pay online. That's why I still have it here to show you, because I paid online. Went online paid my bill, and then I remember, and I don't, I wish I could recall the actual verbiage, but it said this beautiful finality in print. It said, you know, the, the fine has been paid in full. This citation has been 
resolved. And I remember the relief that I felt. I don't have to look at this dumb thing anymore and be reminded of this outstanding debt. There was great relief. Well, if you'll allow me, I'd like to use this parking ticket as a very small and simple analogy for a greater and very real situation that we have. It's not a debt we owe the town. It's a debt we owe God. Because just as this is a written citation, clearly indicating in a written form that there is a debt I owe, I have violated the law and need to pay as a result. So with the Lord, we are all violators. His law is clear. And every single one of you, and don't look away, you're the Compass Church is great A sinners. We are all in this boat. We have violated God's, sometimes we talk about commissional sin and omissional sin. Commissional is when God says don't do this and we do it. Omissional is when we fail to rise up to the expectation of God. You know, we fail to do what we should do. And you add those together and man, the list is not one simple transgression. It is huge. Maybe some days you're aware of that. You got this guilt lingering in your heart. It's like me looking at the thing sitting on my desk. You're just reminded, oh yeah, boy, I did that. Maybe it was long ago, you know, decades ago, but you still remember. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was today. But you have this guilt, this knowledge of your sin. What do you do with guilt? How do you get rid of guilt? Well, the world has all kinds of strategies. I'll mention a few. One of them is sometimes people like to, to minimize their sin. You know what it means to minimize your sin? It means compare it to other people who do really bad things, and you say, compared to them. I mean, yeah, it's a traffic ticket, but you know. Folks, don't minimize your sin. That's a real bad solution. The scriptures are clear on this, that all sin is shaking your finger in the face of God and saying, I defy you. You've told me not to, and I will. You've told me to do it, and I won't. All sin is rebellion against the Almighty and is very serious as a result. Others don't do the minimization. They do the justification. How do you justify your sin? Well, that's where you say, but Lord, come on. I mean, give me a break. Look at the family I grew up in. Look at the odds that are stacked against me. Look at the people I got to live with. You know, all things considered, it's a wonder I'm doing as well as I am, you know. And we try to just, is justification a good idea? No. Don't make excuses. Our sin is our sin. Other people try the old, let's wait it out. I bet with passing of time, my guilt will decrease. I bet with the passing of months, years, I'll just forget about it and I won't feel guilty anymore and the Lord will forget about it. Oh, don't count on it. Had I looked at the traffic violation and, or the parking ticket and said, oh, the city of Naperville's got so many, they'll probably just forget about it. Let's just pretend this never happened and thrown it away. Would that have worked? No. Their accounting practices in this town are excellent. <laughs> and so is the Lord's. He remembers sins we long forgot. Folks, there isn't a single thing you've done in violation with God's law that escaped his attention or, you know, he couldn't remember. It's there. It's real. Some people uh, 
try to say, you know what I'll do? I'll pay it. You know, that's what I did. I, I said it was 25 bucks. I'm like, I got 25 bucks. You know, I'll just pay this thing. And a lot of people regarding their own sin think the same way. Well, if I'll just do enough good stuff, I've had a bad season, but if I have a really good season where I'm morally on the up and up and I'm serving and, you know, going to church, that's got to take, as you know, you can't pay the bill. I mean, when we open up our transgression and look at it, we're like, uh-huh. There is no human being who has enough to right the scales of justice. The only one who does is Jesus. He's our only hope. And so, with no other options, we look to him. Let me remind you, uh, through this precious verse, of the central necessity of the cross, shall we? Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. says this. God forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Isn't that a great verse? I mean, just that first part. God forgave us all our sins. That's not circled in your Bible. It should be. It says, uh, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. This is legalese, but it's true. There is a debt. It's not a financial debt. It's a moral debt that each one of us have built up against us. There's documentation in heaven somewhere that records our violations. And without Christ... It stands against us. Without Christ, the verse says, it condemns us. We're hopeless apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. The only way to get out of this world of guilt every one of us is in is the cross of Jesus Christ. The verse says that God has taken our sin away, nailing it to the cross. You know, we can't pay it, and the Lord says, give me this. Jesus pulls it out of our hand, and Jesus says, can I pay this for you? You may want to look at the list, Lord. It's really long. And he says, every bit of it, I want to pay. And the cross of Christ is the only hope. You know, the, 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 the verse talks about the documentation of our sin being like a paper document that needs quite literally to be nailed to the cross. It's the only way for this indebtedness to be resolved. It's our only hope. Now, when I describe all that, when we look at that verse, does it grip your heart? See, one of my fears is that a lot of us know the right truth. We all are like, yeah, yeah, that's right, pastor, preach it. And and we know the right theology up here, But that doesn't matter. The question is, are you living the freedom that Jesus brings? Are you connecting with that theology? Is it gripping your heart? You know, there's an old movie that portrays a guy who had a hard time experiencing the forgiveness of the cross. The movie was made back when I was in high school. It was called The Mission. Do you guys remember that old movie? In the mission, there was this mercenary. Let's put him up here. His his name was Rodrigo Mendoza. 
A mercenary is a paid killer. It's a guy whose job is to kill people. He will fight for a cause. He doesn't care about the cause. He cares about the cash. Just pay me and I'll kill him. Terrible guy. And his greed exceeded his violence. He was disappointed with his his cash returns on being a mercenary, and he thought, is there a way I can make more money to use my violent skills towards greater pay? And he found a way. You know what it was? Slave trading. The movie describes, it takes place back in the 18th century, and Mendoza's in Argentina, and he comes across this group of jungle native uh, Indians who live on the top of a river. They're called the Gurani Indians, a real tribe of, of Indians. And he hunts them, quite literally stalks these people like animals in the jungle, sets traps for them, catches them, beats them into submission. And when they try to escape, he shoots them and kills them. And the ones he brings back to town, he sells them as a commodity and gets rich in the process. Well, Mendoza ends up in jail, not for his slave trading, but for some other crimes. And as he's rotting in prison, one guy comes to visit him. The movie portrays this Jesuit missionary who happens to be the missionary that led the the Gurani Indians to Christ. He was their missionary. He led these Indians to the Lord. He saw this vicious man hunt them like animals. And the one who knew his sin better than anyone else is the missionary that comes to visit him in prison. He does. And this missionary tells him, there's a way to find forgiveness even for you. It's the way of the cross of Christ. And as the gospel message is made clear to this Mendoza, he He turns and he finds Christ and new life in Christ. And even though he's a Christian, he's struggling to emotionally connect, to believe that even his sins are washed away. You can imagine that being tough with a guy with his history. His guilt leads him to this penance idea that he has. The idea is that, well, let me show you a picture. He gets all of the armor of his past. This is his mercenary equipment. It's armor and weaponry. And he wraps a big rope netting around all these symbols of his sinful past. And he thinks, I'm going to drag them by ropes through the jungle all the way up the waterfall to the top to the Gurani Indians. And maybe... You know, somehow that will achieve forgiveness. Well, it's ridiculous. But the picture is one I think that we can relate to. For Mendoza, quite literally, the sin of his past is hanging on his shoulders and causing him misery everywhere he goes. And a lot of us can relate. Sometimes we feel this way. We're trying to live a fullness of life, but we're being dragged down by our keen awareness of those Things done in the shadows and the wickedness and the failure that each of us have managed. And it's just always with us. Well, in the case of Mendoza, he reaches the Guani people who are new Christians like he is, but they're better theologians 
than he is. They understand the grace found in the cross of Christ better than he does. And there's a powerful scene that illustrates that quite well. In fact, let's take a moment and look at a scene from the movie The Mission. Have you experienced that? I mean, have you wept like a baby, just crumbled and crushed by the awesome privilege of grace and forgiveness? Some of you are like, well, I'm not a mercenary or a slave trader, so no, of course I haven't felt that. You're minimizing your sin. The truth, the truth is that I, that you, are gross violators of God's perfect expectations. And as such, we're in trouble. 
but through the cross of Christ, a forgiveness is available that is so thorough that like that bundle of his past rolling over the edge and plunging into the water, so the Bible says that our sin is plunged into the deepest sea, never to be seen again, fully taken care of. Isn't that incredible? May God grant each of us the grace to see and receive this grace so fully that we are a basket case because of our gratitude for the forgiveness we enjoy. God forgave us all our sins. God forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge. How about that phrase? Canceled the charge. The charge stood against you and me. It's gone. Paid in full. Canceled. It is no more. Canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us, which condemned us. He has taken it away. It's gone. All of that, if you're a Christian, that guilt that once stood against you, that one condemned, once condemned you, has been taken away. It is no more. How can that be? He has nailed it to the cross. And through what Christ did on this day 2,000 years ago, it is paid in full. And we can't believe the freedom that we have and that we enjoy. You know, we have a little tradition that helps us press into the reality of the forgiveness that is ours. This tradition involves the confession of sin, you know, kind of like this parking ticket I received on a piece of paper. We have the opportunity to write down a sampling of our transgressions. There's not enough ink or paper to serve any of us, but a sampling will do. It's a chance for us just to be reminded Sins of commission, things we should have avoided that we did, and sins of omission, things we should have done that we failed to do. Just write them down. Get them out there. Say, yes, Lord, you know and I know. I violated your law in this way. We confess on paper, and then we come to the cross, and quite literally, as the verse says, we nail it to the cross, realizing that this sin has been paid in full. Jesus Christ said, give me that, and took it to the cross, and he suffered the death penalty on our behalf so that we could be released of that guilt forever. This simple exercise has been so meaningful to me in helping me realize how this theology intersects my life, and I pray it serves you in that way. We're going to take communion. Communion, similarly, it's a symbolic way that we can be reminded that our only hope is the blood and body of Christ given for us. And I pray that all of us will lean into the nailing of our sins to the cross, lean into the celebration of communion in pursuit of a deeper realization of how blessed we are to find forgiveness in him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this simple passage, for the imagery of our indebtedness being on paper and then being nailed to the cross so it can be taken away from us forever. 
Dear God, by your Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to that truth? Help us to rejoice in the incredible privilege of being forgiven through the cross of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.